Here's your host, Michael Ball. Ah, uh, yes, better known as Ballsy. That's what everybody calls me, except for my mom and those in my inner circle. It's Ballsy, but I'll go by Michael Ball. That's what they name me. Thanks for uh, having us on today. Wherever you are listening, however you are listening, we know you have choices, and we thank you, Saskatchewan, for choosing the sports cage. And we also want to thank one of our new sponsors for getting on board. Finding excellent online sports betting shouldn't be a gamble. Spreads.ca is Canada's premier online sports betting destination. So thanks to that great company for getting on board with us, Spreads.ca. And there's a full list of NHL games to bet on tonight at Spreads.ca. My Edmonton Oilers with Duncan Keith returning to the lineup, taking on the Chicago Blackhawks. The Vancouver Canucks, who have been stumbling as of late, taking on the uh, New York Islanders on Long Island. The Islanders have had a really crappy season. Man, you want to talk about terrible predictions. I picked the Oilers and the Islanders to play in the Stanley Cup. One team that could play in the Stanley Cup, the Calgary Flames are entertaining Martin St. Louis and the um, Montreal Canadiens. Uh, (laughs) Martin St. Louis was asked today about uh, taking advice as a coach, and he said, I'll take advice from somebody who's been on this bench longer than me, which would be a long list of people, but I think that was a shot at fans and maybe some reporters. They have been playing uh, better hockey under Marty St. Louis. Ottawa is at Florida, another key matchup, Carolina at Washington. And if you want to bet at spreads.ca, there's no sure thing as evidenced last night by the Sabres walking into Toronto and beating the Leafs 5-1, but I would say a free space in the bingo card would be Colorado at Arizona. Would you not agree, Zinger? Colorado at Arizona. You got to go with the Avs. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Paul yeah, I think I, Unless you want to win a lot of money and maybe you hope for the best and throw a 20 on the Coyotes. Yeah, and, yeah you could. Yeah, you never know. I was That's thinking I about like Sabres do. yesterday and I just couldn't do it. And they ended up, uh, well, a couple of teams. I didn't have a great night betting last uh, last night. Uh, yeah, the uh, Sabres knocked off the Leafs 5-1. to one. I can't That's remember. That's a good thing, though. That's yeah, no, I know. Thing. I'm not complaining. Yeah. I can't remember the last time. John Tavares has scored a goal. That I think it's like nineteen games. Or yeah, the, that's uh, that's looking like a bad contract by the day. For it. when you get a guy like that, the contract early looks good. It's the end where it doesn't look so good. We got a great show in store. A guy that's going to be joining our pregame show this year, replacing. And I haven't mentioned this till now. Zach Evans is not going to be able to be with us this year. So. All he would tell me is is the conflict of interest going forward. I have no idea what that is. He couldn't tell me. So Eddie Steele will join us this year on the pregame show. He'll make his debut on the sports cage here at 4.30. We still call it in the trenches. Eddie played for the Riders. Eddie, if you remember sports fans and Zinger being a sports fan and my outstanding sidekick, he was the guy that was jettisoned by the Elks organization for calling out the former GM Brock Sunderland and the whole organization there. But they got that new president, Victor Cuey. They've got uh, Chris Jones in town. And uh, yeah, so I'm just, uh, that's one of my questions. Do you feel vindicated that yeah. uh, they cleaned house and you're not with the radio team? Uh, team anymore, but you're still standing, and now you're with our radio team. And ask him maybe if he likes the Elks' new yes. helmet. Beauty! We'll talk about that. And we're going to talk about that with Glenn Suter. Suits is going to grace us with his presence for an entire hour between 5 and 6, because Glenn Suter's in town for 
Tell a miracle. Good community-minded guy. We'll talk about that and other things. Arash Madani will join us. We were supposed to be joined by this guy yesterday, but he will join us today. John Ford, outgoing head coach of the powerful Lobola's Golden Suns football team. And Logan Furlan will join us too, local football hero. But as we did yesterday, Zinger, it's time to kick off this show. When I do it, it's Ballsy and Friends on the Cage. And all our guests are brought to you by the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime is a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. We got a special announcement about Western Pizza coming up when Suits comes in here at 5. But with that in mind, let's head out on the Western Pizza Hotline and we'll talk the Briar with former Regina Ram receiver Catlin Schneider. All right, I had said the other day my favorite curler in the world is Ben Hebert, okay? But I forgot, I totally forgot about Catlin Schneider, former Regina Ram receiver. So it's got to be a both football. I will say this, okay? Ben Hebert might be, because of his resume, a more accomplished curler. But you, Catlin Schneider, were a way better football player. Oh, way better. It's not even close. Yeah, not even close. So I'd say it's a, it's pretty even right now. So there you go. It's even. It's even in talent. You and Hebert. Uh, would you say he's a bit better of a curler, or will you not give him that? Oh, no, I can't give him that. I'll take him on any day. He <laughs> might be a better speaker than me, though. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, uh, let's talk about your third briar. This is interesting because you were in it in 2017, and you were in it in 2020, right before. COVID hit. Mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah. It's kind of kind of interesting there. So how is this Catlin Schneider better than the guy who was in 2017 and the most recent one, 2020? How do you think you're a, a different or a better curler? Um, just a lot more experience, I would say. I mean, in 2020, um, we made it all the way to this uh, 1-2 game. Um, in the semifinal, we got a bronze medal at the briar so um bringing that experience is huge um you can't really prepare or totally plan for you know being in the finals um on sunday at the briar it's just a different feeling um and when i did play in it in kingston there um we had full capacity fans it was absolutely jam-packed in that building so um yeah i just i guess a lot more experience and that's i think the most important thing um, and teaming up with Colton, he's obviously brings up Briar experience too. You know, it's interesting because people would forget that you almost tasted Briar's success so close, and nobody's won a Briar from Saskatchewan since Rick Folk in 1980. How sick are you of media guys like me saying that all the time? <laughs> yeah, we're well aware. Um, we hear it consistently. Um, and you know what? No one goes to Briar to lose. Um, everyone goes there to completely win. And I think, I mean, both of our Saskatchewan teams um, are very young. I mean, when I was playing with Maddie and them, we were, I think, the youngest in the field. And this this team is very young, too, um, our team now. So it, it, it takes some experience, for sure. And I think, uh, you know, we've all kind of tasted that now. So um, our team's ready to rock. And I think Saskatchewan is in good hands moving forward. What's the confidence level like after winning that uh, nice, thrilling provincial tankard? Yeah, it's good. It's good. I mean, it's tough, right? Like, we put this team together a couple of years ago. Things kind of shut down. We only played a few events together. And it takes time to build that camaraderie and, and get everything kind of flowing on the ice properly. So um, now that we've been able to play a little more recently, 
uh, it was nice to kind of finally see that that full success out of it. Catlin Schneider, for people that aren't regular curling watchers and aren't uh, overly familiar with your team, what would you say is the strength or the the main characteristic of this Colton Flash rink? Um, I like to say we're pretty versatile. Um, actually, when Pat Simmons had a chat with, with uh, to him about this, he said when he first saw us playing, he said um, you can kind of mix teams up because you can kind of play both. You can kind of play both um, the, the hard and the soft game interchangeably. Um, I mean, all, all of us on this team can throw it really hard, can make, get rocks going, but we also kind of have that touch game dialed in too. So, you know, we can kind of be those bangers and, uh, you know, run people out of rocks, or we can also um, kind of dial in that touch game and, and play the soft halfway game too. So I think we have a lot of tricks in our bag, which is going to uh, be great this week. Catlin, do you feel like you're playing with house money? Like this is a star-studded field as it always is. You're a young team, like you said. Do you, do you feel like you're kind of flying under the radar a little bit? Or is because you play in so many competitions around the country, uh, you know, throughout the year, do you think everybody knows everybody so it's impossible to fly under the radar? Yeah, um, I definitely, I definitely think we can win this thing. So I wouldn't say we're playing with house money, um, but I, but I would say maybe a little bit under the radar. I mean, it, we're such a new team compared to you know we haven't been in a bunch of slams yet because you know we you know there's been a lot canceled. Number one, number two, we didn't have the points for a few of the early ones when we first joined this team. So you know we haven't played everyone, um, but we have had success against. Um, some great teams already who are here this week. So we're confident. We're not, you know, scared of anybody, and we're here to win it. You're a small, tough receiver with the Rams. And I don't say small to be demeaning because, God, I'm smaller than you. I was a small, tough receiver <laughs> too, I think. But you've always kind of punched above your weight. Do you feel that in curling too, uh, Catlin Schneider, the curler? Um, I don't know, maybe. I, I mean, I my my family has a long history of curling um obviously dad had a lot of success and i always knew i had had the ability i just you know decided to take some time away um you know for for six years there playing football and and, and getting my engineering degree um and i always knew i could come back to it so i, I guess you know kind of jumping back in as a little bit of a late bloomer compared to what a lot of you know curlers you know did throughout juniors and into the early stages of men men's curling so um yeah, no, I don't. I don't think I'm. Uh, I always knew I had the ability to, to be very competitive against the top teams in the world, and um, I think I've shown that. Dad, Jamie's with the team as a coach. Is he dad or is he coach? <laughs> He'll always be dad, but he knows his role this week for sure. Um, um, yeah, it's, it, it's cool. He he lets me kind of you know do what I need to do, and and he's just a great support out there. It's it's great to have him. I'm really excited about it. This is our second time actually. Uh, he's is our. Mm-hmm. Had to be our fifth man, I guess, and Pat coached us in 2017 by Aaron St. John's, and he actually got on the ice against us uh, for, uh, for an end against Glenn Howard, so that's pretty special, and I'm just excited for us to have him here again. I'm glad you brought up Glenn Howard. I want to get to that in a second before we wrap up, but I do got to bring this up. Mm-hmm. So what's the best piece of advice from the father, Jamie Schneider, that you've ever received? Not as it relates to curling, as it relates to life advice. Um, I think he's always just preached to you know be a good person and do the right thing and and you know good karma is always going to come your way if you do that um you know things you know come around go around pretty easily in this world so if you you know if you have a good moral conscience and you do the right thing and and you're a good person there's going to be good things that come along your way all right best piece of advice as a curling dad as a curling coach what's his best piece of advice uh jamie to catlin 
God. Um, I'm going to say his piece of advice was that you're always going to be able to curl. Um, so I, I am really proud that, he, you know, that I did listen to him and I went and I did get my schooling and I set myself in a good position career-wise, career-wise too. Um, knowing that I always could jump back into curling. Um, I love curling. It's always a passion of mine, and, and I do think of it as a as a part of my career as well. But I think just kind of setting you know setting your, your life up to be successful um, has enabled me to also now take some extra time away and, and go curl and do the things I love to do. I love your name, Catlin Schneider, but do you ever get mad at your parents for calling you Catlin? Do you get Caitlin lots? Does that bug you? Do you oh, have you ever, God. Yeah, right? Yeah, you know, Woodsy actually used to always mess my name up when he was commentating some of our Rams games. I'd always walk up and be like, Woodsy, come on. And he's known me since I was a child. So, yeah, um, yeah you know what? Uh, I've got that on my whole life. It doesn't really bother me anymore. It's all good. Um, yeah. And hopefully now people know me well enough that uh, I shouldn't get that as much. <laughs> well, who, who knows? By the end of this event, you you might be a household name. Here's hoping. Um, you talked about Glenn Howard. He says, I saw a quote, my knees are good to go into my 19th briar. Can you imagine getting down in the hack <laughs> 19th year? Uh, I'll tell you what, that's a testament to not only his talent, but longevity. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. The Wizard of Winter, he just, he won't go away. You know, it's it's crazy. He's, uh, what a staple he's been in curling. Um, yeah, I, I don't know his exact status. I'm, I'm not sure if he's playing the whole week or some of the week or we're going to test his knee out. But, um, uh, I mean, I think it's helped him, you know, sk- skipping is a little bit easier on the body. Um, I would say compared to having to sweep over and over and over again. And then he were to attest to that. Um, so I think that definitely helps, but yeah, he's, he hasn't he hasn't lost many steps over the years, so it's pretty incredible. I call him Tom Brady right now. Yeah, there you go. I love that. The Wizard of Winter. That's a great line. Okay. Uh lastly, what is it gonna take for your rank to end the, the miserable drought and and have a guy like me stop talking about nineteen eighty? What do you guys gotta do? Yeah, I think we just gotta stay patient. Um I think we know all have all the, we have all the skills. We've done a lot of practicing, um, put a lot of time in the gym, put a lot of time with the sports psych. Um, I, I, we have everything we need. It's just about staying focused and staying patient all week. Um, there's so many good teams here, so no one's going undefeated this week. Um, you're going to have a loss here and there, so if you can kind of just, you know, shake it off quickly, move on to the next, that's the key. I mean, we saw it in the women. There was, um, you know, a team in the one-two game that was, you know, had four or five losses. It's crazy. Um, so anyone can win this thing. Um, we have a great chance, and I think we just got to, you know, Stay, um, stay focused, stay relaxed, and and not get too worried over a loss here. There. Let me just slide one more in here. I talked to Hebert uh, earlier this week, and, and Ben said he expects a major shakeup in the curling world. Uh, t- teams flip flopping and everything as they reconfigure uh, and, and maybe try to create mm-hmm. some super teams, so to speak. That's kind of the indication I got. Are you hearing that that we could see a lot of shakeup after this, Briar? Not necessarily with your team, but I'm talking just in the curling world. Yeah. It's- Always after four years in the Olympic cycle, there's always going to be some shakeups. Um, I definitely think there's going to be some movement on the men's side. It's typically going to happen right after the briar, um, after kind of Olympics has ended and the briar finishes. Um, I'm sure there's you know a lot of people talking behind the scenes. Um, yeah, and you know there's some people who have talked about retirement, so that's probably can change things too. But uh, I'm not really focused on next year. I'm focused on this week and it. But it sure will be exciting to see some of the movement after after this week's done. 
Hey, man, congratulations on a great season so far. You know, we're rooting for you here at the Sports Cage. I've always been a big fan of Catlin Schneider. It's Catlin Schneider. Get used to it. It's going to be a household name at the end of this thing. Thanks for this, my friend. Thanks, Paul. We appreciate it. What a trooper that Gloria Evans is. She's been in since 6 this morning, just grinding it out. Talking Humboldt Broncos lottery. They're having a great season, man. They're right there with the Esteban Bruins in the SJHL. We had Nolan Cole on the show yesterday. He's the voice of the Bruins. That's where the Centennial Cup is being hosted. If you missed that show, you can check it out on the Sports Cage podcast. Our great producer, Sean Kleisinger, puts it up after each and every show. If you want to weigh in, we're more than happy to take your texts or phone calls. The text line is powered by Capital GMC Buick Cadillac, uh, Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership. What's the number, Balsy? Well, that's easy. 936-6262. That's the text line. Give me a nod zinger. I'm right, right? I got two different radio stations. It's all these numbers. You can also call that number locally, 936-6262, if you want to chat. Or toll free, 1-866-767-0620. I got that in the memory bank from the call-in show. So I'm familiar a bit with those phone numbers. All right. You should familiarize yourself with it because we like to hear from you. All right. Well... Like Glory Evans, this guy is a local grinder. He is uh, uh, an offensive lineman, highly touted, Regina Thunder guy from Melfort. And it's time to have a quick little chat, check in with uh, Logan Furlan on the Western Pizza Hotline. What was it like lining up as a professional starting offensive lineman in the second best professional football league in the world? Truly uh, a dream come true, uh, as cliche as that sounds. It, uh it really was. I mean, it was something I've, I've been working towards since I graduated, and and uh, just to be able to line up on that first BC game was was pretty incredible. How did you feel when a guy like Brendan Labatt, a Hall of Famer, or your O-line coach, or Dan Clark say things like, in Clark's case, he should have been our nominee for Offensive Lineman of the Year. He's going to be uh, the next great one from Logan Furl, uh, from uh, Brennan Labatt. And then you got uh, Sorrell saying, this guy is unbelievable. Like, what? Like, how do you feel? Are you like, whoa, guys, hold the phone here. Let's not get expectations too high. <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of what I do, yeah. I'm, I uh, I don't like all the spotlight. It's like, yeah, it's, it's great. It's great to have your name being talked about, but it does uh, – set a high benchmark for for where people expect you to reach and all it really does for me is just motivate me more uh to be that great football player so how do you feel about this team after that loss in winnipeg i feel like that was the gray cup i think those are the two best teams in the league but how do you feel about your team six turnovers that defense was lights out and you guys just couldn't capitalize on offense do you you go back almost sheepish uh, sheepishly to the locker room and say oh sorry guys we let you down because i almost feel like you feel like that west cates was kind of commenting on that on our post game show Absolutely, you you definitely you definitely feel like uh, you you let you let the team down a bit. I mean, you you do need all three facets of the game, and and our defense was on fire, um, and it's it's kind of been the story of our season. I mean, our offense just didn't. We never really found that niche. I mean, here and there we did, and when we did, we we blew teams out of the water. But um, yeah, it is it's very frustrating. But all all I can do is focus on my job and what I can do to contribute to that offensive line and uh, the rest of the offensive unit, and and that's all I can do. Give me one 
thing that you did well and one thing you need to improve on, Logan Furlan, going forward? I think I, I think I did well adapting um, as quick as I did just to the playbook, the physicality of everything, and and the, the pressure of, of learning center. I think I did a good job of, of adapting to it with what I had. Um, <laughs> things I can... I need to improve on. I mean, I could I could have a full essay for you. Um, there's there's always stuff to improve on. Uh, mainly, I think really slowing the game down, not getting too excited. I get one more in here. How important is it for Logan Furlan to be a Saskatchewanian role model for the next Logan Furlan that's coming up? As maybe in the in the minor football, Regina minor football, Yorkton, Saskatoon, wherever, uh, and then through the through the post secondary programs. Uh, honestly, it's everything I've. I've that's really what keeps me motivated is, is to motivate other kids and just it doesn't matter where they come from or, or, you know, especially me and Dan as juniors being able to make the jump. It doesn't matter where you come from. It matters the work you put in. It doesn't matter what everyone else is saying about you. Um, or, you know, if you got top university prospects in front of you, it doesn't matter who's there. It matters who puts the work in, uh, who's more dedicated. And um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, you know, motivating younger guys and mm-hmm. and hopefully developing some old linemen here in the future um, for for whatever whatever programs they're they're going into. Really appreciate you taking time and a great first season, Logan. I thought you really improved as the season went along. Thanks, I appreciate that. Still waiting to see if Brendan Labatt will join him back on the offensive line. Rider still waiting to hear uh, from Labatt. This show is brought to you by Spreads.ca. And before we go to break, I wanted to introduce something else that I want to do in this show. We call it the Sports Cage Clutch Performer, where we, we recognize a great performance in the world of sports. Could be amateur, could be like the little mini mites, could be... I don't know, well, professional hockey, professional baseball. We're going to the Western Hockey League for our first sports cage clutch performer, or should I say performers. Five Pats had multi-point nights last night in a 7-6 win over the Wheat Kings. Tanner Howe had two goals and a helper. Stanislav Svozil had two goals. Of course, Connor Bedard showed up in the goal-scoring sheet. He had two assists. Braxton White had a goal and a helper, and Nathan Salemi had two assists. Drew Simonette... Got the win, making 40 saves, faced 46 shots, and they still came out with an old-fashioned 1985 7-6 win over the Brandon Weedy. So that's uh, five Regina Pats, our sports cage clutch performers of the night. Coming up, we'll head back out on the Western Pizza Hotline on the other side. Eddie Steele makes his debut on the sports cage here, at least with me. It's an in-the-trenches segment we hope to have weekly and into our pregame when the rider season kicks off the former rider elk manitoba bison we'll forgive him for that this is the sports cage on 620 ckrm Coming up, we'll be running with Glenn Suter after five live in studio, but we are running with our own devil. He was a devil in Edmonton when he called out the old organization, the old guard with the Elks. That would be Eddie Steele, the former Elk, well, Eskimo then, and Saskatchewan Rough Rider. Eddie, how are you? Oh, 
Halsey. I'm doing excellent. How about you? Good, man. Thanks for joining us. Now we will uh, we won't hold your Manitoba Bison's background against you. We're you know we're in Ram Country here, so we won't hold that against you. Uh, thanks for joining us in the trenches. So the the very obvious first question for me talking about this because we haven't talked since uh, the whole radio thing shook down for you. Do you feel vindicated that you're the last man standing when it came to that whole situation? Yeah, you know, that's a great word. That's what I was telling people. It was a vindicating feeling, uh, you know, just after the the poor execution of how I, everything ended up with me. And just to see how it unfolds, just the fact that I wasn't just, you know, randomly spouting off at my mouth. I was just literally saying my viewpoint as a, a airport analyst and you know, it ended up being bang on, so it was pretty good feeling. Never want to see people lose jobs, but uh, they've had quite a turnaround since with the new regime in place, so I think it ended up being a great decision and move for the organization. We'll get to that in a second, Eddie. Eddie Steele joining us here in the trenches with the former rider and Elk. Yeah, but I want to bring that up. So we always hear this in the media. I heard it for, for years. I don't even know. I can't remember. I've interviewed you a few times. I don't know if you gave me this line when you were a player, but I refuse to believe it. Oh, we don't read the paper. We don't look online. We don't listen to the radio. We don't listen to the call-in shows. I always called rubbish on that. Do you agree with uh, that now that you guys do indeed, the professional athlete, do uh, get sucked down the rabbit hole of thinking what people are uh, talking about? No doubt, absolutely. You hear it, and you'd be naive to say that you don't hear it. Like you read the papers, especially with social media, it's in your face twenty-four-seven. Uh, but you mentioned the word professional, and the professional thing is to block it out because ultimately you can't let that carry over into your play because everybody's getting crapped on in any professional sports industry that has the spotlight that it has on it. You go on Twitter, and Twitter is bad. It's a cesspool, right? And I'm, I'm guilty of saying negative things to certain people. Uh, but, again, that's my viewpoint, and we'll see. You know, I have a little bit more of an uh, insider perspective of certain things, so we'll see if it unfolds the way that I'm predicting it unfolds. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's just that's the reality. You have to be able to put things aside, and you have to be able to go and execute and do your job. You can't let it spill over. It's your, your pro athlete. And that's what you're paid to do so. Let's talk about Edmonton for a second. So, I half expected the Elks to re-sign you. They were go- they, yeah. they, they got Deron Carter, Manny Arsenault, uh, Adarius Bowman. Were you shocked by any of those signings? And, and which of those guys, or do all of them continue on the roster, do you think, as the season goes along? Well, shocked by all, because that all came out of nowhere. These are all older guys who are guys who have been out of football now for two-plus years. And, you know, big-name guys when they were at in their primes playing and great players. But, yeah, it, it was shocking. But at the same time, you look at who did it. Chris Jones did it. How shocking is that? Well, really, it's not that shocking. That's what he does. And it's funny because I, I was saying they're not signing these guys to come out and be the bell cow receivers, the 1,000-yard receivers. They're signing these guys more to be cultural guys leaders in the locker room, guys who have, are proven vets who have won and know how to be a pro, know how to practice appropriately. And that's why they signed these guys, to be essentially coaches in the locker room and on the field. And I, I said that in a couple podcasts that I took part of it. Manny Arsenal, he, he reached out to me on Twitter and he said, that's exactly it, man. People think we're coming in to be these receivers off the street. And, yeah, we're going to stay ready for the opportunity 
to play football. That's why we're here. But we're here more than just to be football players. We're here to really change that shift and turn this program around into the winning mentality and the winning ways. Yeah. So I found that pretty interesting that Manny reached out. Yeah, we had Manny on a couple of days ago, and he said exactly that. And he also said, you know, I, people forget where some of these guys haven't played football for years. Uh, you know, you think Manny hasn't played since 2019. Well, Manny went on a deep uh, uh, playoff run in the Arena League, so he's been in shape and he's been working out in the off season. So he's not uh, out of shape. He is in as close to game shape as you could be coming in. So I, I agree. I don't think that one's that far of a stretch. It'll be interesting to see if Deron Carter can develop further as a defensive back. I have a sneaking suspicion that if he does stick around, we might see him at receiver too. What do you what do you make of what's going on in Edmonton? Jones joins there, and I've, had, I've never had a problem with Chris Jones. He rubs people the wrong way, whatever. Uh, you know, he's there. People are talking about the Elks. They got the great new president. They sold 4,000 seasons tickets in two days and today they unveiled the slick double e and i love the fact that the double e logo is back you want to change the name great but that's an iconic logo just your thoughts on that yeah well the new president victor queen he's just come in and he's just hitting home run after home run uh, just with everything he's doing from the different rollouts that they've done the different programs for uh, enhancing season tickets but honestly the biggest thing is we're in a day and age of social media that's just the reality and he's just touching people and engaging with so many people via social media and online and that's just that's so big just to restore those relationships out here and he's doing it better than i've ever seen done and you know even the saskatchewan rough riders have a great social media department and they're putting out all this great tech and awesome videos like they do it big in saskatchewan like none other but what Victor Quee is personally doing, he's not doing it organizationally. Like, he's doing it personally and reaching out. And I think it's very special the fact that just the average fan can reach out and you probably will hear back via direct message or via a mention or something like that by the president of the club. And that's big. That excites people, the fact that you're storing that personal touch to the community. So this guy's just done it all right. And, you know, they're, they're showing the fruits of his labor and early returns. Organizationally with Chris Jones, you know, he runs people the wrong way, but he flies out as a winner and he turns programs around. So don't be expected to see them have a, a better season than they did last year. I mean, that's easy to say because look what they did. So call me a genius on that already. But <laughs> they're going to be good. They're going to be competitive more than anything. Chris Jones doesn't put out floppers. He puts out competitive teams. So but you, you but, do have to be prepared. But you got to admit, you need quarterbacking. Do they have the quarterbacking, or is it a case we just don't know if they have the quarterbacking? Yeah, that's huge. I heard last number. I heard they're bringing in like seven quarterbacks to camp, which isn't surprising. That's Chris Jones again. But yeah, you need uh, someone who can be a capable quarterback. Yet to be seen. We know Nick Arbuckle's here. Nick Arbuckle has shown flashes. So it'll be interesting to see the competition with him at camp. There is no deem starter. So I'm in the same position. It's yet to be seen. And we'll see. Chris Jones always has somewhat of a plan, even if it's a multi-quarterback system. But I don't know who it's going to be at this point. So uh, what do you make of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders free agency this year? What, what, did, you, uh, what did you think of what they did or didn't do in this offseason, Eddie Steele? Uh, you know, it's got, they're going to field a, a really good team again. I really do think they will, but 
there's been a lot of key guys who are gone. And uh, it'll be a real test. And I know there's quite a few people who are skeptical for the, the lack of, uh, I guess, involvement and, you know, splash-type moves by J.O. But I think they'll overall be a good team. Uh, I think on the defensive line, I'm looking there especially. Like, you lose Micah, but by all accounts, I hear this Garrett Marino is just a beast. And he, he had some good plays and flashes last year, so... It'll be exciting to see his growth and see what he can do. I, I think they'll be a good team. The West is going to be tough, though. I think Calgary is going to come back quite firmly, too, with Bo Levi healthy and a full off season. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be tough coming out of the West, especially if Edmonton's competitive, too. So, um, potential crossover, but I don't know. We're too early to be talking playoffs. I think Saskatchewan will field a good team, though. So, yeah, that's the that's the key. The interior of the defensive line. You, you talked about the missing Micah Johnson. Garrett Marino was hurt, but a lot of people, are not just in the Riders organization, they're high on this guy. They think if he can get some consistency to his game, uh, look out. He could, be a, he could be a powerful interior defensive lineman. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, I'll be honest. I heard some uh, clips of him and saw a couple of highlights of him on Twitter recently. Yeah. And I, I knew who he was. I, I watched him, but, you know, I was really focused on McCann and Henry last year, my boy Mac and Micah, really watching their game because they were the two starters. But he, he flashed. So I had to go and do some research after I saw who he was on Twitter. And, man, just looking at the – I thought I was strong coming out of college – a couple of years ago when he was coming out of college, the numbers he was bench pressing and squatting were just manly. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he produces and how he just uh, can strive to be a better player and the growth that we see in his game. Because I'm pretty sure he had four sacks last year in limited time and he got banged up. So that's a lot for a defensive tackle in limited time. I'm looking at... Go ahead. No, I'm looking at the prospects, uh, Eddie, coming into the combine and coming into the draft. And at number seven, a lot of people uh, ranking uh, Delonte Knight from Western, the D lineman, at seven. And that just happens to be where the Rough Riders pick. Not saying they're going there, but if it if it went that way and they they took him, is it realistic that like? How long did it take you to get it? You know, to get in, get in the rhythm of playing, get used to the jump from the uh, from from U Sports or CIS when you played to the Canadian professional football ranks. Uh, probably about the first three months of the season. Training camp is just a huge eye opener. Yeah, as a young college kid coming into the pros, huge eye opener. You're just trying to make the team. When they offered me a practice roster spot, like that's I was just elated because that's all you want to do is make the pro team. So is going doing those two-a-days in real two-a-days against the men and the pros that are the seven, eight-year vets, that's that's a different ballgame than being a junior, senior coming out of college. So that's really the biggest the biggest eye-opener and the biggest time when you realize, like, oh, here we go. It's, uh, it's an adjustment period. You've got to change your game up. How much stock do you put into these uh, these combines? Combines coming up regional and national. How much stock, as a guy that's gone through it and a guy that's now on the other side of it, how much stock do you put into that? Or should fans put into it? Should should the should the personnel type put into it? You know, bench press, vertical, broad jump, uh, uh, you know, the shuttle run, all that type of stuff. Well, in reality, the numbers are good to see the athleticism a, a kid has. You know how fast they can run, how strong they are, but. 
you don't need to put too much stock. A lot of stock does need to be in focus, needs to be on the tape, because the tape tells you what kind of football player you have in front of you. The numbers do tell a story in a way, though, that a kid takes it seriously. Because I always had the attitude, like, I was always a really hard worker, and all I wanted, I was focused on football and being a pro football player. And you can tell how hard a kid coming out of college focuses on his craft by how fast he is and by the work that he puts in the weight room. Uh, you see a lot of guys who just show up, and you can tell they just show up, even just by body type, you know? They just mm-hmm. have a body type that looks like they do the right things. Did- so that right there tells you more than the athleticism. It tells you what kind of person you're looking to recruit in the draft. That's a good point. Did you did you specifically train for it before you went? Like, did you specifically get a trainer to train for that so that your numbers would look good? Or did you yeah. just sh- or did you just show up? Not saying you weren't prepared, but just kind of showed up and did what they told you to do. No, I absolutely took it seriously because I was a uh, high prospect coming into the, the combine. I was the eighth ranked prospect, and football was seriously what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So that I really changed a lot of things up in terms of my nutrition and just the way I trained heading into that senior or junior season for me. And, yeah, the combine was all focused. And it's funny, I got to Toronto, and I was roomed with a big offensive tackle from Western. And he didn't even prepare. Like, he was just all slumping in. Oh, I'm just here. I'm surprised I even got the call. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. <laughs> You're so unprepared. Mm-hmm. You know, meanwhile, I had my 40 steps and my breathing down to how many steps it would take and how many breaths it would take. So, like, some guys just take it to that next level. And I think that's the focus and the passion and the energy that you need to put towards your craft to have a pro career, not just get there, but be there for a long time. A couple more minutes with uh, Eddie Steele in the trenches making his debut here on the sports cage, and then we'll carry that over into the uh, pregame show during the season. Okay, so Eddie, uh, I was thinking about this, and I'm going to ask Glenn Suter later when he comes in. Taylor Cornelius is 6'5 on the Elks. Uh, I want to think he struggled a bit this year just because he's learning the game. Uh, accomplished a pretty good uh, college career. But why don't we see many? And when we do see them, why aren't tall quarterbacks successful in the CFL? Yeah, that's a really good point. Because a tall quarterback, especially in the American game, that's like your prototypical, that's what you're looking for. I think one of the biggest reasons you don't see tall guys, and you know, this is just from my eyeball point of view, is sure you want that big guy who can look over the offensive line, and that's why you go for a tall guy, but they're typically not as mobile. And in the CFL game, you need to have that mobility. Uh, a tall guy can run and be fast, but normally it takes them a lot longer to accelerate, and it's just it's a faster game up here, especially at the quarterback position. Things are happening so much quicker with a lot more motion. So that's just my personal uh, opinion as to why you don't see – many tall guys and why you see so many smaller guys actually succeed and have the success that they have. You know, the Fluties and uh, the Dunnigans, even like, remember back a couple years ago, uh, John Jennings out in D.C., like, these guys weren't big guys. Mm -hmm. And they're mobile and they're they're really skittish back there with an arm talent. So those are the guys that really succeed in the CFL and yeah, that's why they have success, I believe. Now, Eddie, not a lot of not a lot of former NFL star players or big names really come here and and do that well. Um, 
Martavis Bryan is a guy that's now uh, surfaced again, and Edmonton didn't do anything in Toronto, was signed there but never played. Uh, you know, Lucky Whitehead's a guy recently, but he wasn't a star. He wasn't a star name. He had he had a cup of coffee with the Cowboys, and you noticed him, But and he's been good, obviously. I think way back to the day, Barry Wilburn, who played corner for the Washington Redskins in the, I think it was the 88 Super Bowl, he came here and was pretty good with the Rough Riders. But we got, a, we got Bryant, and then the other guy that slipped under the radar in BC, we talk about combine and 40s. DeAnthony Thomas, the original Black Mamba. He's 29. Dude's fast. You know, he didn't really shoot to a you know a meteoric rise in the NFL. But I re- I think that could be an under the radar signing in the CFL with the BC lines. He's one of those chess pieces you can move him all around the field like a Nick Dembski kind of guy, only with more speed. No disrespect to Nick. I like him too. But you know where I'm going with this? But why don't we see NFL stars come up here and uh, really kick some butt? That's funny that you said DeAnthony Thomas because I was literally just thinking about him two nights ago and exactly what you said about the versatility and what he can do and the speed he brings. I think a lot of NFL guys, the reason they don't come up, I mean, there's a plethora of reasons, but I've played with a lot of high-end NFL guys, high-end draft picks, big names. Uh, It's a different game, you know, as cliche as that answer is. You get these NFL guys who, they're just not used to running, especially lineman guys. We're talking offensive, defensive linemen, the linebacker types that are more pass rushers. These guys aren't used to running the way you have to run in a CFL field and in a CFL game and only have 20 seconds to recover and do it again. Like it, it's a different type of football. It really is. And I think that it, that fades guys out really quickly. And there's also a lot of attitude that I see guys come with and a lot of baggage. And typically that attitude is not a team first type of an attitude and that just doesn't last man and yeah we're not making millions we're still making good money a lot of guys come with an attitude of entitlement and you got to earn it in the cfl and there's ballers in the cfl and people always think it's a slouch league but it certainly is not that well eddie you did a great job in your first performance i hope you enjoyed it and we look forward to having you on regularly okay eddie Thanks, man. That's uh, Eddie Steele joining us in the Western Pizza Hotline. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage for Spreads.ca on 620 CKRM. It's 4.55 with the sports ticker. Formula One has terminated its contract with the Russian Grand Prix, saying that Russia will not have a race in the coming future. And the International Paralympics Paralympic Committee announced Thursday that athletes from Russia and Belarus will not be eligible to compete in the Beijing Paralympic Games. This is a reversal of a decision made the previous day. And a quick note from the National Football League, the NFL has suspended all aspects of its COVID-19 protocols, citing recent trends showing the spread of the coronavirus is declining. Sports tickers for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781 2090. I'm holding out hope for my son. <laughs> He's my little RRSP running around on the football field in North Dakota. That's right. The way athletes are making money these days in professional sports. Don't you look at your little Johnny and say, oh, there he is, my little RRSP, my little investment there, skating around in the rink. You know you do. Anyway, 
These are the top signs your kid won't grow up to be a professional athlete. She gets the twisties just from getting out of the beanbag chair. His football teammates compare his throwing arm to Brady, Marcia Brady. Anytime you want to play catch, he's busy writing his anti-capitalism manifesto. He has excellent hand-iPad coordination. Another top sign your kid won't grow up to be a professional athlete and help you retire early. She tore her ACL playing Fortnite. He gets good grades in school. Come on. Another top sign your kid won't grow up to be a pro athlete. She's the Michael Jordan of being nothing like Michael Jordan. And the top sign your kid won't grow up to be a professional athlete. No matter how much you beg him, he refuses to take steroids. Time now for a thing I like to call ballsy sport shorts. Major League Baseball's opening day has been canceled, as you know. Now your crazy uncle Hank will have to find a new excuse for skipping work to get blasted on Pilsner at 2 in the afternoon. The Jaguars may trade their number one draft pick. Their logic being, what's the big deal? I mean, we'll get another one next year. The Dolphins no longer interested in trading for quarterback Deshaun Watson. Bad news for Miami fans. Great news for the city's female massage therapists. Jeannie Buss became owner of the LA Lakers when her father Jerry died in 2013. But before that, she was just a regular girl lusting over her favorite players on social media. Now some of Jenny's tweets from more than a decade ago have gone viral and they're pretty amusing. Here are a couple of them. Just met Kevin Love from UCLA and the Timberwolves. He may replace Tony Parker as the hottest guy in the NBA. Blasphemous. Nobody's hotter than Tony. Lamar, take your pants off as we scream as he checks into the game. On the bus to Staples. Chris Paul isn't playing tonight. Too bad. He's such a cutie. That's proof your tweets can come back to haunt you. And sports birthdays today? Herschel Walker is 60. Of course, he's the NFL star, Georgia Bulldog legend. He won the Heisman Trophy in 1982, which he says he doesn't remember receiving. You see, Herschel suffers from DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder, formerly known as Multiple Personality Disorder. Herschel says that his accomplishments were not achieved by him, but by his alters. From Psychology Today, DID is a severe condition in which two or more distinct identities or personality states are present in and alternately take control of an individual. Some people describe this as being possessed. The person also experiences memory loss that is too extensive to be explained by ordinary forgetfulness. Now, Herschel claimed he never lifted weights, just did 500 push-ups and sit-ups a day. I don't know if it was Herschel or one of his alters, but Herschel, he should be thanked by Dallas Cowboy fans. He was the dude that got traded to Minnesota for all those players and draft picks that basically helped rebuild a terrible Cowboys team and turned them into a powerhouse in the 1990s. Here's your host, Michael Ball. And we want to thank a new sponsor that's come on board two days out of the week. Uh, we mentioned them yesterday. We're mentioning them again today. Spreads.ca. So uh, thanks to that Canadian betting website. Lots of NHL to bet on tonight. You can bet on literally anything. I know Bo Levi Mitchell is going to the Briar and Lethbridge to heckle his friend Ben Hebert and bet on curling because he just loves betting on curling. You can bet. We're going to have some great times here between five and six with our friend Glenn Suter, who is 
in the studio. Is this the first time? This is the first time I have been in the building and love it. Very, really impressive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I feel the Canadiana yep. as I walk around. I see a lot of young, energetic, fast-thinking minds as I walk around and get introduced mm-hmm. to everybody here and mm-hmm. the whole back end of the building over yeah. there with all the creative and sales and yeah sales creative just yeah. out, outstanding and the big canadian flag right in the window which i love yeah you know and 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 you're very patriotic and that's what i like about you most uh that and you uh, were part of a great memory for me in 1989 but that's it's kind of i look at that flag and it's kind it was kind of sad the last little bit when you put the flag up you didn't know if you could put the flag up because just everything going on but definitely you got to be proud to be canadian yeah isn't that the truth i mean we are in a time i think in history where we are so divided you know as people country and and that's why we need sports Mm -hmm. yeah and i and i I, i know it's more complicated than that and i'm simplifying but you know, you can sit at Mosaic, and we've had this conversation, but you can sit at Mosaic with different political points of view, different religious points of view, uh, face, different colored skin, and you sit in Mosaic Stadium and you cheer for one team. Sports and football in general unite a community. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we need. We we absolutely do. When you see what's happening in Ukraine and everywhere around the world and how divisive we are and everything and you can't you can't ha- hang a canadian flag in the window without being questioned on twitter and things yeah. like that yeah i mean uh, w- we got to just simplify put that flag up with pride and politics aside just you know Team Canada, and and that's where the Canadian Football League comes in. I know you yeah. want to talk a lot. I about do, that, but, but you know, I, I want to touch on this because I I don't know if I brought it up with you, but I have brought it up on these airwaves before. It'd be nice to go behind a locker room for the for the world leaders, for people in politics, s- sit with a team for a year, and maybe that's why the hard knocks HBO stuff is great. But just see, because for one Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that whole week, you guys. You, you could be Catholic, you could be Protestant, you could be atheist, you yeah. could be black, white, green, you could Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal. You put it all aside to put on the green and white jersey and go to battle for 60 minutes. And you might not, I might not like you, but you're my brother in arms and I'm going to battle with you. And I put it all on the line for you and you for me. That's what we need in the world. It'd be nice if we could bottle that. Yeah. And that's one of the great life lessons and, and part of the narrative of football that has been sort of put to the back burner when we've talked about the concussion discussion for years that was damaging to the game um you know i'm glad it happened because we have we have developed and evolved to make sure the game is safer and we do continue to do that but there's been a lot of uh you know people that have have kicked the league but if you just take the game and let's just talk about that that's what you're getting mm. at and that's what the game forces you to do it forces you to to not give up give up your beliefs but to make them second in that room Mm -hmm. and the great teams the teams that are championship teams they have that chemistry you're you're bang on you don't you don't necessarily are going to go out for dinner with every one of those teammates you you have your group that are your closer friends Mm -hmm. but when you check your ego at the door when you walk in that's what I always used to say when I coached little kids, even the yeah. really tiny ones, seven years old. I said, 
check your cool card at the door mm-hmm. and just say, I want the ball to come to me. Mm-hmm. And that mentality, and what can I do to help this team? And if you check your ego at the door and you walk in, that's how the great teams become great. Yeah. Because everyone has good athletes. Everyone has athletic, world-class athletes at the pro level. What's the difference between winning and losing? That fine line, what is the difference? To me, it is primarily the character of the team, the unselfishness of the team, the the what can I do for my brother? Mm-hmm. That if if you have that mentality for forty five guys, it's hard to beat. So I'm going to get into that because uh, I talked to Fairholm. We do where are they now? And yep. Fairholm said, "Ask Suter uh, this story." I'm going to save it for maybe okay. Monday. Okay. <laughs> okay. But eighty nine. The interesting. Like I brought this up to him. Uh, there was Fairholm and there was Elgard, and I asked him, "Were you friends?" Are you better friends now than when you played? Because there was kind of, you know, it almost felt even from the outside. There was like, there was the fair, if you were a receiver and you loved receivers like me, you were either a Fairholm or an Elgard guy. And then there was Austin and Burgess. How did you, was there a split in the locker room? How did you keep that together? How was that, how was that dynamic with that 88 slash 89 team? Well, I was, I was a Fairholm and Elgard guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah obviously. Com- completely different. And in training camp, I'll tell you a quick story that um, Fairholm had such great speed, deceptive, deceptively fast. Just, mm-hmm. you know, when, whenever he was even, he was behind you and gone. Uh, Elgard, on the other hand, would swat you aside. Mm-hmm. And every year in my first couple of years, as a as a rider in camp up in Saskatoon, I would try and deliberately get into a fight with Ray Elgard because I wanted to, I wanted to show the coaches that I wasn't going to back down to the biggest guy mm-hmm. on the field. So in the receiving court, so it would be, I would say, a questionably timed cheap hit on mm-hmm. Elgard that would get him riled up and. I, I tell you, those fights were quick. It was him throwing me to the ground and ragdolling me and, and then going back to the huddle. But the the respect when I saw him do it to opponents. So we didn't we weren't divided. We, we, we really weren't divided. And it wasn't Austin versus Burgess. It was Burgess is great in certain circumstances, different personality completely in the room, a guy that was, you know, sort of, more vocal with with teammates mm-hmm. had more sort of personal relationships i think uh whereas whereas when you look to ken austin um different personality different sort of the way he carried himself but we knew that with both of them we had a chance they gave us hope and with that hope we knew that we just have to stay with the process stay with the mm-hmm. We can build this. We lose a game by three. It's okay. These guys can get us there. And that's why I've always said that quarterback position is so important to have a guy that you believe in because you may not win it all, but if you if you don't have that guy and everybody – and I've been in those teams too. Yeah. And, you, and you're looking at it and we go, our quarterback's not good enough. Well, we got a guy here. We, we love the guy because he's a winner. That's Cody Fajardo. Maybe he didn't have the year this year that he had two years ago uh, when he took the league by storm, but he's the he's the guy. But are you concerned? Like you, It's almost like you need two. You need two. Like you need two goalies. You got to have that goalie there in case that other goalie can't do it. Mm-hmm. You got to have that Burgess in case that Austin can't do it or he gets hurt or whatever. 
I'm I'm a little concerned, and maybe it's just because I don't know what's behind him. Nothing's proven behind him. How about you, as the lead football analyst, when you look at the Riders? How do you feel about their quarterbacking in a Grey Cup year at home? And you know, Suits, when you win the Grey Cup at home, like the Riders <laughs> did the last time, yeah. everybody thinks you automatically should again, which is a total misnomer. But you know what I mean? Like, how do you feel about? the quarterback position for the riders behind Cody. Well, first of all, first of all, I'm a huge Cody Fajardo fan. Right. I, I just am because I love the style. I love the work ethic. I love he puts his heart and his soul into it. You can see it. It's real. It's authentic. It's not a stepping stone. It's not um, you know, I'll see I'll see if I can make more money one day. It's mm-hmm. none of that. Cody is a battler. He'll go out and fight for every yard. He reminds me of Matt Dunnigan. Okay, yeah. And with his aggressive style of running, he'll lower his shoulder for another yard and a half. And sometimes he has to know when not to do that. Well, I wouldn't want him doing it now. With exactly, yeah. And but to your point on the backup, this is an opportunity. Really, it's it's, you know, it's it's yes, it would be ideal if if you had the Austin Burgess uh, scenario where you had two legitimate starting quarterbacks that both work together, much like Hamilton did last right. year. Yeah, Evans and Masoli. Yeah, yeah you have this, if you have that same combination, ultimately, yeah, sure, you'd love that. But that's that's unrealistic mm-hmm. in reality. So you, you look at, you know, Mason Fines. Can he, can he be the guy? Mm-hmm. Can he be the guy? It's an opportunity. Get him some early reps. Games that are out of hand, either way. If you if you slip behind and are down by two score, get him some playing time. That, Why don't coaches do more uh, of that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I it's a head scratcher. I've said it on TSN before. I mean, I I I'm a big fan of how Mark Tressman used to manage quarterbacks, and he would never do it. He would never pull out Anthony Cal- Calvillo. They could be up by three scores, and I'd go, "What is he doing?" Because you just you all it takes is to hit the helmet with your thumb going into the playoffs. Well, and the it, Riders probably have back-to-back a good chance of back-to-back Grey Cups if Darian Durant doesn't hurt his elbow in a play that really wasn't a play because it was a offside. Do you know what I mean? And that's yeah. all it takes. You're absolutely right. Okay, staying with the Riders' quarterbacks, Jake Dolagala is a guy that comes here. He's six foot seven. He's a building with feet. Very tall guy. <laughs> Cincinnati Bengal Patriot Packer. I, I was racking my brain. Like, Taylor Cornelius is 6'5", and I think a lot of his struggles with the Elks, not necessarily his size per se, just mm-hmm. learning the game. But, A, I don't remember many tall quarterbacks coming into the CFL, and mm-hmm. if they're tall, they're not really good. What Do you see it that way, and why? Yeah, I, I'm not sure that it's that the tall ones aren't necessarily good. I think our our league has shown that the small ones can prosper more so than they can often down in the NFL. In fact, in fact, in the states, they don't often don't get the opportunity. I mean, guys like Doug Flutie and yeah. they they are now Russell Russ, Wilson now Russell yeah. Wilson and, and Jalen Hurts. There's a few of those guys. Yeah, right? exactly. Kansas City, yeah, um, Mahomes, Mahomes. Yeah, yeah. so. You know, those guys are starting to emerge in the NFL now, but they weren't for a long time. I mean, if you think back to tall quarterbacks, I mean, at w- what's the cutoff point? Because yeah. Warren Moon was 6'2 or 3, I think. Yeah, right around there. So, you know, but, Ricky Ray was 6'2, 6'3. They were successful. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL was Joe Montana, who was 6'1, six six something like that. Drew Brees is a 6'0 guy. Drew Brees is a 6'0 guy. I love Russell Wilson. He's not a tall player. So, yeah. 
I think it's. I think we've emphasized the fact in the CFL that that smaller quarterbacks that are really athletic can come up here and really dominate. I mean, Doug Flutie was arguably the best quarterback to ever play up mm-hmm. here. I just I played against him, and we would go into training camp at the beginning of the year saying, if we want to win the championship, we have to beat Doug Flutie. That must have been a nightmare as a safety because Fairholm told me he'd literally come into the huddle and it would be do a button hook at the light post and if you're not open, run to the red truck. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. So try being a safety or a defensive back. Like, yeah, that, honestly. Yeah, that's that, that takes away the rules. <laughs> Doesn't <laughs> you know, it? Yeah, when you're, when you're pattern reading yeah. and, you know, when, when there's an over, there's an under yeah. and there's always a post behind that. Yeah. Well, if you're just making it up as you go along, then it changes all that. But, you know, I used to, when we played against Doug Flutie, Bobby Jurison used to, it used to blow his mind because he couldn't catch him. Like Flutie would be, he, he would empty the backfield, mm-hmm. go three and three, receivers on, the, on both sides yeah. of the formation. And then we would send blitz. So we'd send one more than their five linemen to block. And we couldn't catch him. He would, he would be throwing the ball, backing away, and a 15-yard drop, and he'd throw a corner route and beat you and from from a side angle from his arm. And you would just – I so many times – He was Mahomes before Mahomes. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I think because of that and, and our game being sort of suited to that athletic, smaller quarterback, maybe that's why we've seen that we, we're sort of looking at the taller guys and going, how come they're not just mm. stepping in and throwing – from above, whereas down there they 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 didn't even bring you into camp if you weren't six. Well, then for a again, while. then again, if you're tall and you could move, you're Justin Her- you're Justin Herbert, Josh Allen. You're not you're not. They're paying you fifty million and you're staying in the NFL. You're not coming to the no CFL. Question. Hey, when we come back, we're going to talk to Suits about why he's in Regina early. Besides the fact you want to check out our studios and lots to get to. This is the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. Ballsy in studio with Glenn Suter, our first time face-to-face talking, and it's great to have him here. He's like a fine wine. I want to get some uh, <laughs> some handsome tips from him. Uh, first off, he's older than me. He's got more hair, so uh, that uh, makes me a little jealous. Uh, anyway, better teeth, too. Uh, Glenn Suter, you're in town, and we're going to talk about Western Pete's in a second, one of our fine sponsors, but you're in town for Telemiracle. I'll tell you what, when I go to Wascana Rehab, my mom's there. Can't go right now because there's an outbreak of COVID. My aunt's in there as a full-time resident. Uh, you go there, and if you're having a bad day, it just puts a smile on your face because they are dealing with what you would consider a lot worse than you, but they do it with a smile. Mm-hmm. But just talk about Telemiracle and you know how it touches kind of your heart and uh, you know lights that community light bulb for you. Yeah, and and I you know I'm I'm so proud to sort of, like I've always sort of considered Saskatchewan and Regina my home because you know I got here when I was a teenager, basically nineteen, and had, both my kids were born here. So when mm-hmm. I see how this province rallies around Telemiracle. It just, I, I just sort of feel like this great sense of pride to have been part of this community for so long. And, you know, when I, when I see the stories and the testimonials from families who benefit from Telemiracle and the money raised, where someone who can now be so much more mobile with a new wheelchair or mm-hmm. whatever it might be that they need uh, to help with that they, they couldn't afford financially. Changes their life. It, and it changes their life. And you watch the positive vibes coming out of people that are 
are struggling with uh, with other areas and and they have decided mentally that they're going to take a positive look at life telemiracle helps them but but they we get more out of it Mm -hmm. by watching their testimonials and people that that put donations in their wills yeah and Betty and Winyard donating and challenging her cousin uh, exactly. Jennifer and uh, Wadena, whatever. Little kids that have a lemonade stand and raise $50. Yeah. And all of this adds up to a few million every year. And then I see the testimonials from the people that it really helps. And I see their positive approach on life. Mm-hmm. And I, I just... I guarantee you that Norm is is our executive producer of Telemiracle, and he is not even halfway through the question when I say yes, I'm in. <laughs> I don't I don't ever let him get to the end of the question when he's asking if I'd like to be involved with it. I just say absolutely, I'm in. Let's do it. The big question is, is Suter going to play guitar? Are you going to play a song at the event? That's what people have been asking me that. He's he's the host, but is he going to bust? Like, is Beverly Mahood there? Yes, like, could, Are we going to do a duet, Suits and Beverly Mahood? We'll have a fake campfire, like a propane campfire, and you just pull out those old 1985 lawn chairs and start strumming. Come on, Suits. Well, it, here's... <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what. If if well, Beverly Mahood's there, Brad Johner's there, yeah. Jill, Jill and Jeffrey uh, Straker are there. So mm-hmm. th- th- those are real mm-hmm. talented musicians that are obviously fantastic recording artists. So I don't ever want to mess them up. But I'll tell you what. If if there was ever if there is a challenge that we all sit around, I'll talk to our executive producer, and if I if I can play three or four chords Boom. and they can sing and we could, uh, hey man, if if it means some more donations uh, well, let's race i got a great fundraiser i'm the king of fundraisers in the summer when you come to town you bring your guitar i'm on the golf course at emerald park my girlfriend okay. her son's big musician you guys play we'll have the i'm right on the course we could set up some chairs and people i got a huge back well, she has a huge backyard i just rent i love and, it and there you go come. okay well here's the thing though now when we're at those events or those those yeah. campfires yeah you know, there's, there's. It usually sounds better if there's beverages. There will be, there will be <laughs> open bar. Uh, anyway, uh, one other thing, Glenn Suter, when he's in town, we're doing the show live from the South Albert Western uh, Western Pizza on Monday. Our buddy Spiro is going to host us there. We're going to be down there. Glenn Suter will be there. He can take pictures, autographs. We're going to have tickets to give away to the Riders Home Opener. There'll be pizza specials. That is Monday. Suit suitcase Suter on the road, Western Pizza. Now let's talk positivity about the CFL. The Edmonton Elks. I wasn't a huge fan of the... I didn't mind the Elks. They tried something. They were, you know, mm-hmm. with the whole change in the name. But what I didn't like was getting rid of the the iconic logo. You obviously hated it. I talked to Farrell earlier today. We'll hear that next week. He didn't like the logo, but he did agree because it was the, the evil empire. But, <laughs> but come yeah. on. That was an iconic logo. It stood for championship. I like they brought it back and kind of jazzed it up. They're doing some good things there. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Victor Kui, their new president, is, has really taken the community approach. And, and he's brought back 
an element of the history of the team. Yeah. The presentation on Twitter, if you haven't seen it, I you can go on mine or, or yeah. I'm sure you guys yeah. have it on. Yeah. yeah. And and you see the presentation that incorporates the great players from the past, Dan Kepley, Warren Moon, as we've talked mm-hmm. about those guys and and how the double e has been so iconic in that city and it's something to be proud of and you can you can jazz things up and modernize it but don't do it with completely leaving the history of the team behind and i think that's what he's trying to find here i think he is making so many good moves when he brought his mom on on twitter to talk about wanting to go to asks or elks elk games it's awesome it you know it's it's us. It's Canada. It's like bring your family. Let's let's have fun on a Sunday. Hey, you or... know what I like about it? He's doing it on his own. Like it's one thing for the teams to market, right? They have yeah. marketing departments. Nobody does it better than the riders. They're the the flagship. But he's doing it on his own. Like Eddie Steele mentioned earlier on the show. This guy's putting his blood, sweat, and tears into it. They got another guy in BC. Dolman's a guy that loves the CFL. I I love the fact we got a couple of guys in this league now. That that's what we need. We need more of that passion. We love it. Let's promote. Yeah, you know, Amar Doman in in Vancouver has been outstanding. I mean, he, you know, I've had a couple of chances to talk briefly with him, and on one of those occasions, he talked about wanting to have every one of the young kids that are playing amateur football in that province to be wearing orange jerseys when it's game day in their schools, and he is working on things like that. He he has said that. Day one, game one in BC place this year, this coming year will be a night that you will never forget. And, you know, I think as Canadians, we always try to sort of under promise and, and then and then we get the, yeah, yeah. you know, but I, I love this confidence. And, and there's, you know, it's I'm trying to do the math because I don't know this. OK, I haven't I haven't talked to him about this in particular. But when he says big, I'm thinking big band, maybe. Come mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. and then he says, "But it's not just about music." And then I remember the Super Bowl Ryan shot. Ryan Reynolds, Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell, and Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, I retweeted that. It was awesome. And I'm starting to think here, what has he got going for Game One in BC Place? That sounds like right down Ryan Reynolds uh, Avenue with Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell would totally be in. Well, I, and I don't again. I, I, I know we're speculating, but total I, speculation. Yeah, here. but I, I just, I just love the fact that he is. He has said a couple of things. One about the amateur football and 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 getting the community back engaged with the team, but also that he is in it for the long haul. This is a guy who grew up, built his business in British Columbia. He he is a Lions fan was as a kid and now he's got the controls and the keys to the car and he's he's gonna be in it for the long haul Victor's the same way yeah in Edmonton I mean the riders have always been like that but you know we get enough of those owners we're, we're gonna well, do just Bob fine. Young's another guy fantastic uh, they changed the ownership uh, set up there a little bit but Bob Young caretaker Bob for a reason that guy and you know David Braley got a bad rap in BC uh, that guy <laughs> If it wasn't for him, we might not have a league. He owned two teams at once when nobody wanted it. And you can talk about did he market enough? I mean, the the guy I think did a great job keeping this league afloat. No question. I mean, I I have nothing but great things to say about the late David Braley. I mean, he is he he was such a great ambassador. You know, had to at times keep two teams going. Um, you know, hopefully all of those type of days are behind us. And by the way, Mr. Braley and his estate and his family made sure that Amar Doman was the right guy. 
mm-hmm. was not going to sell the BC Lions unless it was the right person. Mm-hmm. It wasn't going to be somebody who just wanted to bring his friends to an owner's booth in a professional football league. It was, it's got to be a guy with roots in the community, a guy that's going to put his heart and soul into it. And he vetted that to the end. And then his estate did once he was gone. And Amar Doman had to do that over three, four, five years mm. he was building to buy that team and get the okay from Mr. Braley. Good inside information from the uh, lead analyst in the CFL on TSN, Glenn Suter. When we come back, I got a question. Glenn gets Glenn gets called out sometimes on Twitter. I want to ask him about that and uh, be in the face of uh, the lead broadcaster, TSN. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Having some uh, great fun with our uh, buddy Glenn Suter in studio for the first time. This show brought to you by Spreads.ca, Canada's premier online sports betting destination. Finding excellent online sports betting shouldn't be a gamble. Glenn is in town for Telemiracle. You can watch him this weekend. And he's also going to be joining us at the South Albert Western Pizza. Our friend Spiro hosting us there, the Sports Cage on Monday. Suitcase suits. <laughs> we'll be giving away tickets to the Ryder Home Opener, autographs. we got some pizza deals down there. So why don't you pop on, uh, pop on down and join us on Monday. Before I get to the TSN stuff, I tease it. I want to bring this up because I heard you talking on a previous Sports Cage and I found it interesting. You said it took you about three or four years to figure it out yourself like mm-hmm. it was, how sho- i think one of the most shocking things to me and it's no disrespect to him was 2021 micah tights i like the kid i watched him in junior call or in uh, university calling ram games i knew he was a good player he was serviceable as a as a special teams guy nothing flashy mm-hmm he played like Junior Seau. He was all over the field this year. Were you surprised by that? And just talk about his play, because that was a nice surprise. I'm, I, he used that break to his advantage. Yeah, you know, I when I it was about game two or three for the Riders where I thought, this guy is jumping off the page here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's funny how you, you, you call a game and you're looking at, at basically 24 players on the field at a time, but... One guy will just stand out. He'll just—he's just around the ball every play, and that's what Micah Tights did this year. And, um, and then we got about midway through the season, and we finally, as TSN crew, got around to getting a Zoom call set up with him. Usually, it's the, yeah, you know, the big names are always yeah. going to be front and center, and the quarterbacks for sure. But he had earned it, and then getting to talk to him and find out, and it, it was like—it's amazing how often. The great, hardworking players, the the nose-to-the-grindstone players, you get a chance to meet them and talk to them in person, and they're great guys. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I don't like where sports is going. Like, listen, we got a betting sponsor, and I love... I I dabble a little bit. I have radio money, so I'm not uh, (laughs) five, ten bucks. I'm not betting the mortgage, okay? So I do like that aspect of it. And, you know, Carolina... Chicago. I wouldn't care about that hockey game, but I put five bucks on it. So that's what I like about betting. What I don't like where sports is going is fantasy. And I know it's part of it, but all that stuff. And we get away from the stories. People mm-hmm. are more concerned that this guy got 400 yards or this guy had 40 yards or he was above. It's fine, but we get away from the storytelling. I like storytelling. And I'd like us to go down more that, you know, just besides the quarterbacks, the Micah Tights, the Mike Adams, those kind of guys. Yeah, you, you know, we, we always work towards trying to get as much of that into telecasts as we can. Um, it is... 
It is more challenging in Canada than the United States to do that because of the time between plays. Mm-hmm. So you have twice as long to tell those stories in the in the U.S. than you do in Canada because the snap of the ball, the next play is 20 seconds later or, mm-hmm. sh- or shorter. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's a little challenging and you have to go over three or four plays. And then if you go over three plays telling that story and a big play happens, a touchdown, now you abandon the story immediately to go right to what happened on the play, right. that big play. So the mechanics of it can be tricky in the CFL at times, but it is always a priority because... It's like when you watch a, a good Netflix movie, you're as soon as you get engaged with the character, then the movie is is a great movie. Mm-hmm. If you don't care about the characters in the movie, it, you you walk away, you're bored, it's it's nothing. So, it's important that we tell yeah. the Micah tight story. What is this guy like as a person? And then people can engage with that. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the, the betting might save the C and might save oh, it's the CFL. Bring tons yeah, of I, revenue. I, yeah. I, lo- I love it. I do it. I just would like us to concentrate a little bit more behind the numbers. I'm kind of I'm kind of old school that way. Okay, so you were on a couple days ago. You're on three times a week in the off season, which we appreciate. And you had said something about. Uh, you'd like uh, with this uh, CFLPA, you'd like a longer term deal, eight to ten years, and and I thought it was great. And if we can get that, raise the minimum wage, all that type of stuff. But <laughs> on Twitter, it's funny when you when when Three Down Nation posts it, then it, people jump on it, and they j- it just goes into another direction. Yeah. So there were a couple of things that came out of that, and I've got you here, so I want to address it, okay? Yeah. And I, like you, I like to ask the tough questions, and I like to point out things. So. When I grew up, there was the CFL on CBC, there was CTV, the you know the the Don Whitmans and the uh, the um, Glenn Sitter, the Ron Lancaster. They would call the second half, right? And the first half would be uh, uh, Pat Marsden and Leaf Patterson or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we've got away from that now. It's not CBC and TSN; it's just TSN. Mm-hmm. I talked in the past about Cody Fajardo by himself when nobody's challenging you you can become complacent Mm -hmm. that was one of the comments TSN has become complacent and boring with their coverage because nobody to compete with I want you to uh, what you can you're the face of it here okay no problem how do you do you you know how do you guys not get complacent I found one way I thought you guys did a great job this year with your different camera angles in the playoffs I really noticed that there were some different uh, shots that I really thought jazzed up the broadcast well that yeah okay well the the it's let me start with a little behind the curtain um, one of the ways that that we do that and we're always self-evaluating we're always trying to figure out new ways to present the game whether that be the live mic experiments and things like that those yeah. are those are all things that start with a planting a seat in a meeting and then growing it while you talk to the league and then there's PA issues mm-hmm. and things like that so you know when you try to to improve the coverage you're you're it's it's an ongoing process in the off season or in the cancel season I should say we all had a project from our executive producer to watch NFL football and write all the good and the bad about the coverage. Mm-hmm. Whatever you feel like as a fan, as a broadcaster, how could we improve it? Not to copy them, but to look at how they do it, how other people do it. I do that all the time personally and have for years, but that that is another way to try and refresh the coverage. But to your point on competition... I'm not afraid of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's better for everybody. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's certainly from a league perspective, 
if you step in and say there's three broadcasters that want your product the money goes up automatically you right. know we're it's, seeing it in the nfl right yeah it, i mean that's why the nfl has become a multi-billion dollar business two things gambling and multiple networks right so you know but having said that tsn saved the cfl yes in the 90s and the amount of money that was I, I, I want to say it was 10 years ago. It was 2008 when we when we did our first Grey Cup, I believe. And so that the money that the rights fees, the, the amount that it became at that time jumped dramatically mm-hmm. to give the league a chance to actually prosper. Yeah. So I, I won't say it was overpaid because I think the value of Canadian football is through the roof. Right. Uh, yeah, but I'm saying that at the time, based on the rights fees before we took over and after that, man, they shot through the roof, and it gave and it gave teams a chance to actually succeed. Could the league, in concert with TSN, <clears throat> do a better job of jazzing up round one? Hear me out here. Like I, we we, and it has nothing to do with TSN, the logistics of it. I know we look at it and we got to sometimes wait with the NFL draft and which Canadians will be eligible. So that throws a wrench into it a bit. But there, there could be a workaround. I just picture Casino Regina, paper the place, get hand out jerseys, even if they're not Argo fans, give them some free drinks. We got the table set up. We have TS, we have TS in there broadcasting at least the first round, maybe even the first two rounds. Have the whole stories that I talked about, Glenn Suter interviewing this prospect or Rod Smith. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. like you said, if you don't, Glenn Suter can have the best steakhouse in the world. If he serves the best steaks and nobody knows that he's got the best steaks, <laughs> then he don't have the best steaks. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying with that? Yeah, yeah, I do. And I, you know, I think we have discussed, um, you know, draft shows and other types of shows. I, again, it, it comes down to corporate. Yeah. Um, it, well, and, and I don't mean that the business guys are just writing it off, but you have to be able to sell that there will be the rating mm-hmm. that will justify the right. programming costs and, yeah. and everything that would be involved with it. And that's, those are meetings that I don't get invited to. <laughs> but, <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I do know that the, the people that are involved behind the scenes, the producers, directors, guys like that, boy, they love the Canadian Football League. And they and we are, we are constantly trying to uh, find new ways to present, present the game mm-hmm. and also, you know, to uh, self-evaluate. Uh, and, and I'm going to make the, the, the next step now because of where I am in my career to changing the narrative because the narrative that has that I am tired of hearing mm-hmm. is people kicking our league, and I'm going to step in from now on, even if it's our own guys. Yep, I agree, 100. percent I love that attitude, and I've been banging it here in a small part in uh, Saskatchewan. We're going to come back and wrap up with Glenn Suter. A couple more things to get to. I want to ask him: Does he even look back at what he did, or does he just move on to the next week? This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 5.53 with a quick sports ticker before we get back to Ballsy and Glenn Suter live in studio. The International Paralympic Committee announced Thursday that athletes from Russia and Belarus will not be eligible to compete in the Beijing Paralympic Games. This is a reversal of a decision made the previous day. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781 
2090. One of those other things uh, um, on that Twitter chain, when we were talking about your comments about the CBA and mm-hmm. hopefully they can make it eight to 10 years, raise the minimum wage and fans are t- uh, uh, tweeting and they're like, well, he probably just wants the riders to win every week. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Yeah. Do you pay attention to that? Yeah, I, as long you know on Twitter and things like that, I, I I don't. I basically, if if you are cussing and uh, basically uh, devaluing or downgrading somebody on Twitter, you're going to get blocked. Yeah. I, I just don't have time for it. But if you have a great question, I'll sometimes even answer it. If you disagree and want to discuss it, I'll sometimes answer your Twitter. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm all for the discussion. If you just go, you suck, you're a rider guy, then no. I'm. You know what? I'm going to block you. Do you go consciously into the booth, though, trying not to be a rider guy with your background? You just admitted Regina and Saskatchewan is like your home. Absolutely. So, But do you go into that booth like, okay, I, I got to watch this. Got to take off my green goggles. No, I, I haven't. No, I, you know, when I, when I first started in the business, it was something that I thought about. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I would be going to a game with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Calgary Stampeders, and I go, I gotta, I gotta be aware that Calgary fans are going to see me as a former rider. That was in my first couple of years, yeah. but it's been over 20 now. Yeah. And no, I don't at all. This is what you will get from me. I will call what I see. If, if it's against a Saskatchewan Rough Rider, if it's something that I disagree with a decision or the throw was off and I say, Cody just missed him. Mm-hmm. If I just, he, he missed the throw and here's why. Or a penalty that goes against the riders that I say, that was a good call. And I'll try to explain why I think that. But no, I, I don't, I, you know, I'm so proud of my time with Saskatchewan. I am so happy that this was the team that I got a chance to be part of and this community and this province. And that's why I'm back so much. But you know what? I I do not worry about overcompensating <laughs> or becoming a rider guy. Yeah. If you could see my Twitter feed, it's it, how come you're hard on the riders? How come you're cheering for the riders? How come you're hard? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah it's, you can't win. Uh, yeah, believe me, I take uh, calls after the game, so I know. Yeah. Uh, our text line powered by Capital GMC, Buick Cadillac, Saskatchewan's number one GM dealership. Uh, text from Tina in Regina, 936-6262. She would like to see the timeout shown at the bottom of the screen. Like, uh, I, I did notice that. The time, you know what I mean? The timeout yeah. uh, thing went away, I thought, on how, your broadcast. How many you have left? You mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Do you know? Do you rec- Do you remember that? Uh, you know what? I'd have to go back and double check that, but it should be there. Yeah, like if it's it used. Not, to, it, it, used should be. it used to be. Anyway, yeah. I wanted to ask you about that, Glenn. Uh, you're obviously a former player. We all know that Plaza of Honor inductee. You sat in many a film room, mm-hmm. breaking down your. You get your grade. Oh, whatever it is. Watch this, Suter. Why'd you do this? Do you go back and self critique yourself? Absolutely, all the time. Yeah, and it's it's hard. It's hard to hear your own voice. It's yeah. it's weird. It sounds different to you, yeah. but um, I do. You know, I I look at different ways I could I can break down. I watch all the other guys the same way too. You know, I used to love the late Ron Lancaster mm. and how he called games. I still have some VHS of him and go back to that sometimes. He was a subdued John Madden. He didn't have the boom and the traducan, but he had that folksy delivery. Folksy delivery, great analyst of the game of football, like why a route was open, why a DB you know, missed a coverage or missed a tackle. Am I right when I say this? Because I've said this before. I think he is the 
since I've been alive, 40, almost 50 years, mm-hmm. he's the greatest figure in CFL history. We can debate who the greatest rider is. You could say, well, he was the greatest quarterback for time. When you take the fact that he was a quarterback, a successful coach, a GM in a number of places, and a broadcaster, I don't think there's a better figure in CFL history than Ron Linecaster. Yeah, you know what? Are you, that's a great argument, and I have and I, no rebuttal here. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. So we're going to be live on location on Monday down there at South Albert Western Pete's in the Golden Mile area. We're going to be uh, down there live for the show. Suitcase Suitor, we're calling it. He'll uh, <laughs> hopefully get some sleep because he's going to be busy with Telemiracle. Give the people a rundown with regards to Telemiracle and when you're going to be on and, uh, you know. Yeah, we start We start Saturday morning and that's when the television show starts. Yeah. But you can you can be making donations now to Telemiracle. I don't yeah. have the number off top of my yeah, head yeah. but you can you can go online as well and make donations that way you can order your telemiracle bear oh yeah the that's new, cool the new yeah. teddy bear mm-hmm. if you want you have to say that when you make the call and mm-hmm. say i want to order the bear i think they're a 146 is the minimum but you can donate more and then order the bear mm-hmm. um, do that we start the tele the television show on saturday morning it'll go all the way through to sunday night and we have all kinds of great entertainment from Saskatchewan. Beverly Mahood will yes. be there again. She's so good. Brad Johner is great. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be my partner. Mm. So we'll be on the stage together a lot. And, uh, yeah, show kicks off on Saturday morning. And hopefully you can throw in whatever you can afford. Yeah, I, that's one of the things I love about it. It's like... Uh Glenn in Uplands challenges uh, Michael Ball in White City. He's got a $50 donation. Hey, our Glenn Suter, the former rider. Ch- you know, you should do that. You should challenge all the 89 guys. Oh, I'll do that. Oh, I'll, oh, oh I, I love well, it, man. I'm, I'm talking to rider fans all the time, so I'm going to uh, be saying, let's it. go. Hey, this was, this was fun, man. I enjoy yeah. it. I can't wait till Monday to t- uh, talk. I know we have a great thing going when I have, like, I, I, we didn't talk about the bring it to the heartland for the Grey Cup. I got, uh, you know, uh, backlash. If you get backlash from players, I've got a whole bunch oh, of questions oh, that's for a, that's, co- yeah. coaches, who your favorite coaches to deal with or how you deal with coaches. There's lots to chop up on Monday at Western Pizza, South Albert with our buddy Spiro. Thanks for the suits. I appreciate it. Love it. Thanks, Walsh. We'll be back with more of the sports cage on the other side of the 6 o'clock news. And our show is brought to you by our friends at Spreads.ca. Finding excellent online sports betting shouldn't be a gamble. Spreads.ca is Canada's premier online sports betting destination. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Like I said, Glenn Suter and I, Suitcase Suter on the road Monday. He'll be there, South Albert Western Pizza with our buddy, uh, Spiro, dinner time, game time, anytime is a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. We'll have a ticket giveaways. You can get autograph with suits, ask them questions. Uh, we might even have a couple of riders down there. We're just working on that right now. Uh, time to head out on the Western Pizza Hotline. I should mention, too, I never did this, and that is uh, my fault. Our segment with Glenn Suter, the whole hour, brought to you by Quality Tire with 10 locations across Saskatchewan. QualityTire.ca and the Madani Report, brought to you by our good friend Brian Golly, who's a big sports fan. Uh, Smart Investing Solutions. Be smart with your money. Call Brian Golly at Smart Investing Solutions, 546-2533. And the guy with Tony Romo, kind of cash. Troy Aikman kind of cash is Arash Madani. How are you, buddy? If only. 
if only, Bolte. I'll tell you what, man. You know, hey, it, no, let me, let me know, ask I, you. When I get a, let me ask you something. I was just going to say, when I get out there for a Grey Cup, yep. i got to meet Brian Gully because Brian Gully has been such a terrific uh, partner of our segments and yeah. kept this thing going through COVID and the rest and... Uh, been uh, been great. So really appreciate. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Me, uh, our big sales guy Perry Nice, whose son's Mason, whose son Mason led the Huskies on the Vanier Cup run there. Uh, so Perry and Brian and me and you will go out for a steak dinner. How does that sound? That sounds terrific. Okay. So with that in mind, what does a good broadcaster do for a sporting event, in your opinion? From what standpoint, Balti? Well, I mean, why is Tony Romo worth seventeen million? Why is Troy Aikman worth eighteen million? Like, what what makes those guys good for broadcasting? What makes a what makes a Chris Collinsworth and an Al Michaels? You know, when they're coming to town, it's a big game. Or Joe Buck and Troy Aikman when they're coming to town. Do do broadcasters put the game over the top for you, Arash? They do, and I'm I'm a bit. I mean, obviously, this is what I do for a living, and um, I'm a kind of nerd that way. But it's in addition to the broadcasters themselves, uh, the show is bigger. You know, more cameras, more bells, more whistles. The crew is second to none. Fred Gadelli's been the producer for you know for Sunday Night Football since the package went over to NBC. He had been with Monday Night Football before. Mm-hmm. Drew Esikoff has been the director everybody's kind of in simpatico. Here's where I think it's a few things, Michael, that I think are really important. One, when when Buck and Aikman, and Bruce Arians has talked about this, when when Buck and Aikman just show up to the facility, there are like some murmurs. Guys talk about it. They want to see Buck and Aikman there. It means you're on the number one crew. And I think because Troy played and because Collinsworth played and over the years they're they've been around, they're part of the furniture, that there's a lot of trust in a business where, foot, you know, football is, secrets, uh, they don't want anything out. You know, what color Sharpie is uh, yeah. is is Bill Belichick using? They don't need, they, they feel everything is a competitive advantage, but a lot of the, the top-end guys get major credibility and major trust from the quarterbacks and from the coaches and from the coordinators, which really elevates the broadcast. I think that's part of it, too. Sportsnet's Arash Madani, who has covered many, many events, World Series, NBA Finals, uh, Stanley Cup. He's been at the Hockey Night in Canada ringside. He's been at the amateur level, too, with uh, U-sports basketball and football. So this guy knows what he's talking about. Why no quarterback movement in the NFL? I I had pitched this yesterday with Farhan. I said, hey, how about Russell Wilson to the Colts for Carson Wentz and a whole bunch of draft picks? Seattle can rebuild. The Colts need a good, solid stud quarterback, maybe one more wide receiver. They're on their way. Way. And Farhan said they posed the question to John Schneider and Pete Carroll. They're not open for business. And uh, the other question is, where does Deshaun Watson whoa, end whoa, up? Whoa, 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 Pete what? Carroll said we're not we're not right now. Yeah, true. Ev- Ballsy. Everybody's open for business. Yeah. Rick Spielman a few years ago at the combine said we are not interested in trading Percy Harvin. And three days later, they did. What the Combine does, basically from the Combine until the end of the NFL draft, 
is the seven weeks a year where everyone's allowed to lie openly <laughs> because it's all about leverage and smoke screens in, in terms of what teams want other teams to think they may be doing or not doing. Yeah, so no. that's part of it. Okay, so let me and ask I, you this: Would you would, would you think that's a good trade, Carson Wentz? Who, you know what? I mean, laugh if you will. Yes, he makes some boneheaded plays. He's not the first guy to do it. And I'm not trying to be a Carson Wentz uh, apologist here, but if you put his stats up against Josh Allen's stats, they're not a lot different. Now I know in the clutch, Josh Allen's been good the last couple of years. First year, not so good. Last couple of years, I mean, if he got to touch the ball, who knows what happens in Kansas City? But Carson Wentz isn't that much of a dumpster fire. Seattle could do worse if Russell, who just dumped them off his Twitter bio, um, maybe that's a bit of posturing. What do you think of a trade like that? Well, uh, the, the difference, though, with Josh Allen and Carson Wentz is that Josh Allen's legs are as much of a weapon as his arm is. And Carson Wentz is not mobile at all. So, you know, Josh Allen can move the, move the sticks for you running the football where, where Carson can. I, I guess it would just depend on how many picks and what that draft capital is going to be. And so often, Balti, I don't know where you f- fall on this. I always find it fascinating how the currency of a first-round draft pick means so much until you actually draft the kid. And then once you've drafted him, all the value of that pick is gone. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, I, I, and I should, but I don't know enough about what Indy's draft capital is, how much they're willing to, to part with that. Um, it is interesting, though, that what do you have there in the Colts staff? You have Scott Milanovic and Marcus Brady, who know all about having a mobile quarterback who can run around and sling it. But going back to your original question, I actually believe the reason why there hasn't been any quarterback movement yet is because the first big domino hasn't fallen yet, and that's Aaron Rodgers. It almost felt like Rodgers has to make a decision on, am I going back to Green Bay or not? And then if it's not, what's going to happen with Rodgers? Will he be traded or what's going to happen? Where will he land? And then the dominoes fall. Yeah, the but, Deshaun Watson thing also. Yeah. So, so Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, you talk about slinging it around. Could he end up in Indy? Do you think he ends up anywhere, or is it just too hot to handle off the field? No, Deshaun Watson will be playing somewhere else. I just can't see Houston trading him trading him to yeah, Indianapolis because true. True. they're in the same division. Okay, but how, but 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 you know you, you talk about. You know what's going on with the quarterbacks and Aaron Rodgers and the domino falls. He has no. Does he really have any leverage? I mean, they got he's him under won the MVP. He's won the MVP the last two years. Yeah, Michael. but they got him under contract. He doesn't. It's not like he's a free agent. They 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 got him under contract. They don't have to trade him. No, but the the agreement that they came to last year was that after twenty one, Aaron would make the decision, and mm-hmm. Aaron would choose what happens. And the moment you violate that with a franchise quarterback, especially when you're in Zinger, especially when you're in um, rural Wisconsin, <laughs> rural good luck Wisconsin. ever signing a free agent ever again. If you're gonna if you're gonna put the screws to your franchise quarterback, because if you do that to Aaron Rodgers, you'll do that to anybody. Hey, uh, is your team finally gonna get rid of that Cousins problem they have? I sure hope so. Um, 
I sure hope so. <laughs> Here, here's what's interesting, Michael, and I know this may sound far-fetched, and uh, it's early March, so sure, why not? Let's throw a bunch of things out there. Here's what I really wonder, because I think of one of the landing spots potentially for Kirk Cousins, unlikely, but potentially could be San Francisco because of his relationship with Kyle Shanahan and how enamored Shanahan is with him for some reason. But I'm not convinced that Tom Brady Mm -hmm. is done playing football. No. How about 49ers? I think he might be. He was just on with Fred Couples on Couples Podcast, and he said, I wish I had a clear vision of what the future holds. I think for me there's a lot of great things and a lot of great opportunities that I know I said right after football season. I was looking forward to spending time with my family. I've done that the past five weeks or so. I know there will be a lot more of that too. In fact, I'm going to spend the night at my parents' house, but I think Tom... I don't think, like, the thing with these athletes, Arash, and you know this from covering them, they are structured from the moment they get up to the minute they go to bed, from the time they're in college or even before that till the time they're done. And when they're done, a lot of these guys, I don't care if you're the GOAT or not, you're lost. You're like, and I maybe I'm over-exaggerating here, but it's like, no, 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 no. I don't go to the grocery store to get bread and milk. I'm not doing that. That's not what I'd... I'm not used to this. Like, it's a culture shock. I don't think Tom's done either. Yeah, and what else did uh, Brady say in his, uh, in his podcast with Fred Couples? That last night, Tom slept... Tom surprised his mom, went back to the Bay Area, slept in the same bed that he did as a kid, went back to his boyhood home... Is he waiting for the combine to be over to go talk to John Lynch to see what's going on in San Francisco? I mean, look, San Fran just got to the NFC title game with subpar quarterback play from Jimmy G. Mm-hmm. What if you put Tom Brady there into that offense? How does that how does that change? So that that's what I mean by the quarterback dominoes. You know, the big one with Rodgers has to happen first. The Brady thing is still kind of hovering around there. Where does Deshaun Watson go? Miami said that's off the table. Mm-hmm. So here's if I'm Tampa, am I interested in Deshaun Watson? I think so, aren't I? Yeah, I think Get you Chris are. Godwin back, you have Mike Evans. Um, you know, you have a decent run game. Yeah. It's so it's um, it's a good landing I, I spot. I thought it was going to be quicker. I thought it was going to be quicker the movement, but it hasn't happened yet. But when it does, it'll get going quick. The reason why we find the Madani por- a report valuable for smart investing solutions is you have your hand in a bunch of different sports. Let's talk baseball. You talked to Bo Bichette. What are his thoughts and what's going on? Mike Trout was very outspoken, which is hilarious because he's usually not there in the left coast in obscurity, the best baseball player we've seen in years. Uh, he said it's Rob Manford's fault that we're where we're at. So that's a big statement from Mike Trout. What did Bichette have to say? Well, I chatted, I chatted with Bichette today, and he said he apologized to the fans that they're not playing. And he said, you know, owners, players, all that kind of deal. He said it's too bad that fans are being deprived of seeing some of the best players in the world. So good for both there. But he wasn't as outspoken. And Bo's very calculated, and Bo's, Bo's a businessman. He grew up in a big league clubhouse. He's very measured in his words, Michael. Remember mm-hmm. when your Padres gave Fernando Tatis all that money? Yep. Bishop the next day came out and said, well, yeah, Tatis, even at $300 million, is probably underpaid. Hmm. So 
Bichette said eventually his hope is to end up being a player rep and being involved in the union conversations and the union discussions, that he's trying to keep himself ready without amping it up too much because they don't know when spring training is going to start. But I thought that tone from him was very interesting. Instead of it being combative, it was more apologetic to the public and to the ticket buyers that they aren't suiting up right now yeah hey you're a cfl guy too you have the cfl background working for a couple of teams and i know you uh love this league from afar um and you're uh, tapped into the league just let's let's talk a little positivity about the cfl i really like what's going on in edmonton i mean uh, chris jones can rub people the wrong way no doubt about it uh, you know legal practices and fines and everything when he was here stayed in a hotel didn't really get entrenched in the community whatever uh, but i'll tell you what People are talking about the Elks. People are buying season tickets. I love the fact the iconic EE logo comes back. I like what they're doing there, and I like what Doman's doing in BC. We got a couple of franchises with some fresh air being breathed into them. Yeah, what do you have? You don't have the same old boys club, old white man boys club going through doing the same things over and over again. What a novel concept. You bring in some some winds of change, you bring in some different perspectives, you bring in some diversity, you bring people who are willing to roll up the sleeves and talk to their stakeholders and listen to their stakeholders to make things happen. And that's what's happening in Edmonton right now. You have the CEO of a team who has literally spoken, Michael, with hundreds of fans to get their perspective on what's happening, what's gone wrong, what they can do better, and really take that into consideration when starting to map out a plan and make your core fan base really feel noticed and appreciated. That's vital. This is still a league of connections. Making your fans feel connected to what you're doing, especially as a publicly owned, community-run team like the Elks are, like the Riders are, Instead of kind of this whole ego entitlement that people should be coming to us because they are. Now, I, I'm really impressed with, with how Edmonton's going about it because this is still a business that needs, that, that is, you need to sell tickets two by two, but the methods in which you do it have to be taken from the 1990s era of doing things into what today's world is. And what Victor Kui has the capability of is doing exactly that, but he's doing a grassroots campaign first to really get an understanding of what's happening in the market to then take the next step forward. I think it's a brilliant way of going about it. This was a great chat. As always, Arash, we really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Have yourself a great weekend. Thanks, That's Sportsnet's Arash Madani with the Madani Report brought to you by Smart Investing Solutions and our buddy Brian Golly, who's a huge sports fan. I know he'll love that segment. We'll be back to wrap up with John Ford, outgoing coach with the LaBoldis Golden Suns on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. All right, time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline to wrap the show up. This guy has coached football in Regina for over 30 years. 
He's stepping down as head coach of the LeBoldis Golden Suns, but, uh, man, did he have a powerhouse team when he was there. Let's check in with uh, Coach John Ford to see if uh, he's totally walking away from football after 30 years of coaching. Uh, you know, Mike, I've had uh, 30 good years of coaching football and, and uh, 16 as the head coach here at LeBoldis and put in a lot of... Uh, a lot of great memories, made a lot of good friends, but uh, it just comes to a point where it's time to, to step aside and let uh, you know someone else uh, who's ready and young to uh, take over the heavy lifting and the lead, and uh, we've got that here at Lebola. So I uh, just uh, felt like it's time to uh, step aside and give someone else a chance to uh, to take a leadership role. So who is that someone else? Uh, our new head coach here at Lebola is uh, Ryan Giesbrick. He's a uh, phys ed teacher, and he's been. Uh, coaching uh, basketball originally and then uh, moved over to football about five years ago. He's been our uh, running backs coach uh, for the last five years, and he's going to uh, assume leadership for the team. Three decades of coaching football, or more than three decades. It, it wouldn't be that easy to walk away. So do you completely walk away? Do you stick around? Uh, is it hard to stick around when you were so successful as the head coach and maybe just do something in a support role? Yeah, that's a great question. I, so that's kind of where I'm at right now is, trying to decide what my role might be moving forth. Obviously, uh, I'm still here teaching Lebolis. I plan on, on being here for uh, hopefully, uh, you know, five or ten more years. So uh, I'd like to be involved with the program in some way, shape, or form. What that is right now, I'm not sure whether that's going to be in a coaching capacity or support role, but uh, we'll let that unfold and uh, see where that goes. Yeah, because that's not an easy decision. I know back when Greg Marshall took over the Rough Riders, Ken Miller was still around, and I don't think the guys fully bought into the new regime because the uh, the other guy who they were successful with was still kicking around the team. Has that entered your mind at all? Uh, not really. We talked about that in jest uh, with some of the coaches on the staff, and it, it's a little different at the pro level. Uh, you know, when you have an existing coach going out or coming in, uh, we're all teachers here and, and uh, lovers of football and coaching, and, and we're all coaches working together. So sometimes, uh, you know, you can share the responsibility and the load who's doing some of the lifting. But, uh, uh, you know, I think in a high school when you've got uh, people involved in the program, you, you want as much help as you can of people that have football experience. I think that's, uh, you know, where my role may lie somehow with this team is to still being there as a as a support and a, and a resource for uh, not only for Ryan, but for the, uh, the coaches and the kids. And I'm comfortable in whatever role uh, I take on. I, I hope the, uh, the coaching staff would be as well. So give us the John Ford scouting report as a head coach, as you walk away from head coaching, what, what was the thing that you hung your hat on? Do you think your best attribute? Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're loved by lots and hated by lots, as you know, in, in coaching mm-hmm. Michael, uh, uh, I made a lot of good friends, and, and you know we've had success, but have been pretty proud of the uh, the players that we've uh, put out into the community, and the, and the coaches that uh, have have been involved. With the program has been lots of great coaches and support staff that have helped us along the way, and and uh, that's kind of the most important thing when you reflect on the years of coaching is not necessarily the score in any game or, or wins or losses, or it's uh, you know the relationships you build and the friends that you make and and the product you put on the field and the product that comes out after high school is done and. Uh, we're real proud of, uh, of a lot of our players who've gone on to great success in life. And a lot of our coaches, that have, have players that have been in the program have come back and now are coaching in the program, which is really great to see them give back as, as future leaders. So, yeah, no, it's been rewarding from that for sure. And you see a guy, Mitch Pickton, from the Lavolda Golden Suns. That makes your school proud, your program proud. For sure, yeah. I, uh, I saw his first touchdown in Mosaic Stadium, and it was, uh, it was a, a really proud moment for us, too. Obviously, Mitch is a great uh, great person a great uh, football player and we're really proud of him here of, of a lot of the, the players that we've sent out into the world so 
yeah, no, great for Mitchell. Why would you say your team has been such a juggernaut? Like you've had such a, a such a consistent, successful program. Yeah, consistent's a good word, Michael. We've had uh, a lot of uh, great coaches in place, and lots of great kids that have been in the system for a long time. And so I think having that consistency of the same group around and you can establish routines, procedures, and, and traditions within your program. And, and uh, you know, I think that becomes easy. It, it's hard when you when you're constantly refreshing and bringing, you know, uh, new bodies. And sometimes you, you lose some of that uh, momentum, right? So we've been very lucky to have uh, fed some great coaches and players. And then, you know, kids that are young in the program that get a chance to play early in their, in their career and, and carry on some of that, uh, what, what, what is put in front of them. So yeah, we're, We've been pretty fortunate to be surrounded by great people here. I coached with you at O'Neill, and I also have coached against you, but I've never been on the Labolda staff or in the program. So those, for those that haven't, what does it mean to be a Labolda's golden son, in your opinion? A standard we hold ourselves to maybe at, at the school or within a lot of our athletics program here at Labolda's is, is you know, commitment and, and uh, effort and uh, you know, being a great team first player and unselfish player and, and member of a team and, and trying to build that sense of uh, community and, and belonging to a group bigger than yourself and, and being uh, unselfish and willing to sacrifice. And I think that's some of the, you know, bedrock uh, principles we had in place. And I, I think it led to a lot of success. So uh, I, I would say, and it's for any school or any team or program, when you're a member of a team, you, you know, you're in the right to wear the, the crest and the badge. And I think we've done a good job of making that important here at our school. Hey, John, you're uh, coaching hockey now. Do you have to catch yourself sometimes and realize you're coaching on the ice, a, a different sport, not football? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I've uh, coached hockey for a lot of years. Uh, obviously, when my kids were growing yeah. up and, and uh, a number of other sports and coached high school hockey at uh, O'Neill and Labolas for the last 20 years as well. So I've had a lot of good uh, miles in the ice as well. And, and yeah, the goal is just not falling, getting from the bench to the, uh, to the locker room. <laughs> hey, well, congratulations. We'll see you around uh, some sort of sporting venue, I'm sure, for uh, many years to come. Thanks, John. You bet your balls. You take care. That's John Ford, outgoing coach of the powerhouse LaBolda's Golden Suns football team. We had an awesome show, man. We talked curling with Catlin Schneider as they get ready for the Briar there in Lethbridge. Team Saskatchewan, Logan Furlan joined us for a quick chat. Eddie Steele made his debut on the cage. In the In the Trenches segment, he'll join us on our pregame show this year. We uh, talked to Glenn Suter for an entire hour, and Suits and I will be Monday live. South Albert, Western Pizza with our buddy Spiro, giving tickets away to the Riders' home opener. We'll have some uh, special pizza deals there, and we're going to uh, maybe be joined by a rider or two, so make sure you pop on down there. Rash Madani, catch all of these guests on our podcast posted by our outstanding producer, Sean Kleisinger. Tomorrow... Mike Adam joins us. We have a new feature called the Sports Cage Rewind. We take our best bit or interview from the week, and you can listen back to that. And we're going to hear from Vernon Davis, former National Football League tight end, 49er. He will join us on the Sports Cage as we tee up his big show on Wednesday on Fox, a new uh, celebrity show that's hosted by um, Eric Stone Street from Modern Family so uh, who I believe is a Canadian if I'm not mistaken or a big CFL fan I think he I actually think he's a Blue Bomber fan yeah anyway yeah anyway Vernon Davis joins us gonna be a great show tomorrow sports cage for spreads.ca thanks for uh, tuning in we'll talk to you tomorrow